0: Welcome to Fandom Power.
1: The landscape at Marvel Comics has changed a lot since the company's near bankruptcy back in the 1990s. And today, while the sales of physical comic books continue to decline, the Marvel Cinematic Universe has become the highest grossing film franchise of all time, having generated $22.59 US billion at the global box office. And, while the MCU's feature offerings have been a smorgasbord of yearly blockbusters, the Marvel television landscape has been, shall we say, a little less reliable. Partnerships with ABC Studios and Netflix promised shows claiming to be fully integrated with the larger framework of the MCU. But, like a promise made during an election year, the actual results haven't exactly lived up to the hype. But then, on January 15th, 2021, Marvel Studios released WandaVision, the first Marvel television series set well and truly at the center of the MCU, and for nine episodes that span the gamut from subversive to spectacular viewers were treated to a superhero project like nothing else we've ever seen before. As of this recording, WandaVision has been wrapped up now for two weeks, and today we're going to take a look back at the series and find out if it lived up to our expectations. So, joining me today are my regular co-hosts Andy and Hank, and our special guest and friend of the show, Eric Swenson. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Morning. How's everybody doing?
0: Poor boy. It's it's a good day. The sun is out. The heat is on. The child oh. is away with auntie, and I'm not wearing pants yet.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Nice pantsless Saturdays. So it's been good a couple time. of weeks. The show's wrapped up. We've all had a chance to, uh, I'm sure everybody watched it as it aired, but mm-hmm. we've all had a chance mm-hmm. to go back and sort of maybe revisit that, certainly for the episodes that we've each sort of taken to to cover. And uh, anybody have any initial initial thoughts?
2: I just got to say, and you guys, uh, I mean, Eric might not know this yet, but I, you you both know because I, <laughs> I watched the first five minutes of it yeah. and uh, sort of lost my mind on social media. And I don't know what I was doing. I don't know. I had a bad day. But I, I got to say that uh, I think I told Andy that it was a, a, a garbage fire. <laughs> I yeah I the words I, trash I, I, fire I think resonate. I mean, retrospectively I've never really been happier to be wrong about something.
1: That's a great way of uh, putting it. I I think uh, it's going to come up here uh, in the first episode. I think if you were if you were subverted and and that word's going to come up quite a bit for me in this review is uh, if you were subverted, I think, you know, within the first two episodes, you were either so like train wreck, I can't look away. Fascinated, or you were so angry you checked out. It was I, that subversive. I, yeah,
2: and I I, I, ch- I did check out, and I I only checked out briefly because uh, my wife is a huge fan and and is really good at calming me down in in the right. real world anyway. <laughs> but I I have to admit that I didn't I didn't come in with any expectations, and I didn't come in with any. I mean, maybe I had expectations. I wanted superhero brawls in every episode, <laughs> but, but but uh, don't them. Yeah, exactly. But I think it was—I hadn't seen a trailer. I had no idea where they were going. I hadn't heard any rumors. And when I—I I was watching the first ten minutes, thinking, "Okay, this is kind of groovy. This is a nice cold open." And then it just kept going, and I was like, "I'm uh, all right." And uh, you know, having a bad day, whatever it was. But like yeah. I said, I'm, I was really glad that it. Uh, well, uh, I it was a long con.
0: I wasn't gonna watch it until Wes like sat me down and was like, "Here." We're gonna watch the first three episodes, yeah, back to back to back, yeah. And that by the time I got to the end of the third, I was like, I would not have made it this far. Yeah, without
1: encouragement. I, <laughs> I think a lot of fans, uh, uh, certainly the initial online, well, the deluge of uh, of of fan or anti fan <laughs> commentary <laughs> was just that. It was like, what the hell is going on here? And and a lot of people just. I think there's still, anecdotally speaking, I think there's still a, a a sizable portion of the Marvel fandom who are big MCU fans who probably, for that reason, still have not seen it through to the end. And uh, quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, you know, you're you're doing yourself a disservice by not sticking with it. Mm-hmm.
2: To me, it's like exotic food where my like my palate's not used oh, to it yeah. yet. I it's really enjoyable and I like it, but having watched the winter soldier show last night, I feel like that's, that's more a burger and pizza for me, you know, than like sushi, but I appreciate yeah. sushi. I really that's right. Do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's a great analogy too. I, I definitely, I like that. What about you, Andy? What yeah. are your initial thoughts about the, the series?
3: It's a slow burn for sure, but that fire builds.
1: It doesn't it though?
0: It does. It gets huge. Like a, like an Indian curry.
1: <laughs> well, guys, what do you think? You want to get into the episodes and talk about those a little bit?
2: Let's do it. Okay.
1: So let's start with uh, episode one. Uh, episode one, it's uh, called Film Before a Live Studio Audience. And this one, this one is a hybrid amalgamation of The Dick Van Dyke Show and I Love Lucy. It uh, was released Friday, January 15th, and it came out, uh, the first two episodes dropped, I think, on the same day and then it was once a week every Friday for the next eight weeks after that. I think that's why I got confused with eight, because it was eight weeks, nine episodes. So this one is actually uh, written by Jack Schaefer, whose proper name is Jacqueline Schaefer, if you didn't know that. She's the uncredited co-writer on Captain Marvel and the co-writer for the upcoming Black Widow film.
2: Nice.
1: Uh, it is directed by Matt Shackman, who is a former child actor appearing in the Growing Pains spinoff Just the Ten of Us, between 1988 and 1990, as well as uh, a few one-off appearances on shows like The Facts of Life, Highway to Heaven, Different Strokes, Night Court, Good Morning Miss Bliss, and Webster. If you're not familiar with his work, he's uh, directed several episodes of Ugly Betty, a few uh, Game of Thrones episodes, as well as episodes for The Boys. So, what a synergistic marriage of skills both sitcom and superhero action and epic pieces to fold together into WandaVision so I don't know if you could find another director with that resume specifically uh, to to marry those things together but I think he's pulled it off quite well so episode synopsis touch on this for a second we talked about in our last episode of um Order 66, Hank, where uh, you're post-show or saying, like, wouldn't it be fun to write our own episode synopses? It's true. So I have done just that. Nice. I have done just that. I have not cut and pasted. I I have not copied. This is Wes's... If Wes was writing TV Guide, this is what it would say. Our episode synopsis is, Westview's newest residents, Wanda and Vision, are settling down for a quiet life. But their super secrets are at risk when Wanda gets a visit from nosy neighbor Agnes. and When the couple's wires mistakenly get crossed, Wanda and Vision unexpectedly have to host the perfect dinner party for Vision's new boss. Can the couple pull it off and still keep a lid on things? So yeah, there's my, uh, <laughs> there's my, uh, nice. if I had to write it for TV guide. <laughs> Fantastic. So I guess... I kind of wanted to approach it sort of broadly and sort of uh, less beat for beat, and so I've attempted to do that. But I just want to – I'm going to throw out a few questions and just kind of see where where it lands with you guys, and then uh, hopefully you guys will hit some of the things that I did. And if you didn't, I'll fill in the blanks with what I've got here for notes. But uh, did you guys – with the first episode, did you find there was a prevailing theme at all, like an overarching theme to the episode?
2: Um, Certainly we were sitting in classic TV trope. Yeah. Yeah and after on subsequent watches i really understood that this was heavily driven by acting. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. and acting in the style which is often hard you know you you especially modern actors they grow you know so you got to study period stuff and then and then pull it off it's it's exaggerated it's so they got they were really good at capturing the the timing yeah and and the style of acting which actually helps solidify the illusion
1: i uh, props to elizabeth olsen for her Uh, job at emulating lucille ball i mean um, for the record she's 36 years old so she's considerably younger well maybe not younger than you eric but uh, significantly younger than you and i hank so Mm -hmm. i certainly give and paul bettany paul bettany's 49 so he's right in our age group and i don't know about you but in my house we we grew up on i love lucy like there was tons of i love lucy on in my house with my mom being a huge Lucy fan. So I really picked up on her, her emulating that character.
2: No, it's I absolutely agree. And I think that's maybe the strongest thing that we get uh, through all the episodes, if you will, is that uh, they're acting. Yeah. And, and acting is like more so, you know, cause action beats can take away from that. You don't have to be a great actor to, slug it out in a cool you know with cool cgi and stuff but i I, it just makes it so much stronger that it's that it's a a tour de force of acting actually big time and watching them evolve is incredible
0: it needs to be mentioned that this is elizabeth olsen we're talking about and her sitcom chops go all the way back to full house when she was a little kid on that set she's been around sitcoms all her life
2: yeah, it's there's uh, there's some stuff later on in one of my episodes that uh, it's definitely there's definitely some meta full house stuff going on there.
1: Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I noticed that too. <laughs> so, really, I'm I'm gonna jump ahead here for a second, uh, partway through the episode. I want to touch on the uh, the the built-in commercial bit. The tagline. <laughs> the tagline in the commercial was uh, "Forget the past, create the future." And, yes. uh, for me that encapsulates that is the theme of the whole episode, right? It's uh, it's her way of creating, building the fantasy. So, I mean, thematically, I feel like the theme is essentially her setting everything up where she's still very much, uh, you know, I- I- in a 12 step, she's still in denial, you know what I mean? So she's, mm-hmm. she's trying to control her environment because, you know, as somebody who has some complex mental health issues. I know what it's like for me to have to have that feeling of like, I'm in control of my life. So for me, that, that aspect of the episode, it resonated pretty strong with me. And that's kind of what I took away as the, the overall theme for this episode.
0: That commercial was also just loaded with, Easter eggs and Mr. and
1: Oh, big time. I actually saved all my Easter eggs for the end because I feel like <laughs> if I dove into Easter eggs right away, we'd still be talking <laughs> about them in an hour from now. <laughs> yeah. It's true. I, uh, it took
0: me like two or three times watching this episode before I could really appreciate it. Just because again, as the resident millennial, it's, sure. it's a lot slower paced and you know the static 3 camera sitcom kind of died w- during my childhood
1: so yeah yeah
0: it resonated a lot less but i can i can see where it's going from and you know being a student of comedy i i i have an appreciation for that sort of thing but yeah. again
1: you would not my, you would understand it strokes. on a different level though wouldn't you yeah yeah
0: well my understanding is more of like a let's cut it open and and kill it and see what's inside of it right <laughs> like a true dissection of sit back and observe well, that's, oh, okay. and that's
2: just it you walk a fine line when you're like because nostalgia has a cutoff point for everyone like you know, yeah, when, yeah, when you right. know
0: how the sausage is made it's yes. a little less appetizing
2: right and so as you you know you blur the lines between those nostalgic cutoff points between generations so it gets yeah. harder to interpret or You
0: know,
2: more static or more, you know, where Wes and I might have had more emotional approach to it. You might have had a more analytical approach. And that makes sense in terms of the way nostalgia hits.
1: I think uh, that also speaks to the, uh, uh, you know, and I mean, God, why does this keep coming up as a, you know, at the expense of of making an ageist uh, comment? But that's just the point in my life where I'm at right now. I mean, I am closer to (laughs) I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. And Eric, you're closer to 30 than you are to 40. So, I mean, that it yeah. totally lends itself to what you're saying, Hank.
2: Yeah. And it's neat. I never thought about it before, but it, 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 you know, when I'm talking to the kids who work for me and I'm I'm referencing something and they're looking at me like,
1: what? (laughs)
2: Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, of course, of course the baby or something. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and it's, you know, and, but there are certain things that are timeless. Like you reference, like Captain Kirk or Darth Vader or Spider-Man. There are things that just transcend. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. The levels of nostalgia.
0: Well, that's where the tropes come from. the, The whole, the whole backdrop of this episode is a very, tropic thing it's i need to yeah. m- impress my boss
2: i don't think I've everything used goes wrong yeah, yeah. I don't that is I've a, used the word trope so much i would say I that I is a
1: <laughs> that is a hallmark of sitcom uh yes. it's like woven into the fabric of sitcom where like oh oh we've got to impress the boss They're, like i think every sitcom has that episode where the boss is on your back for some reason right
0: this is a TV show about a TV show being oh, yeah. broadcast within
3: a TV show.
1: Yeah. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's Turtles All the Way Down, man. It's brain bending <laughs> on so many <laughs> levels.
3: But to dive into the making of this particular sausage, oh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> some of the points they point out on Assembled really dive down on just how far they oh, went they did. They to went create went the
1: whole, so far.
3: like from the camera to the actual in-house audience, so they could feed on that energy. Yeah. One thing I like detail is incredible. I want to
1: touch on that for a second because that level of detail, as you say, Andy, was like mind blowing for me. Did everybody watch assembled before I get into this? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I so hope
0: they keep doing those because did the, the any behind the scenes they've been giving us, I have been incredible with this, the Mandalorian. Like... Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. They're fantastic. And I mean, if you're not watching these, these making of, extra specials that are on top of the show please 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 go back and watch them you'll feel so Disney much better for doing an extra so show, yeah really extra
0: show every time
2: and it's better than just talking about the show like we do <laughs> they're You know, they, putting because a lot of people are making extra shows about shows but well, they have a budget uh, they, yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine it's true but the uh um, the attention to detail in the, this episode exactly and what they're giving us is is just a deeper cut of fans oh my because, god you know for like Everybody at the end of the day is curious about how it's done, but very few people are like, yeah, I, I really need to know. I'll still watch the Star Wars documentaries about special effects of course. over and over yeah, of and course. over. Of
1: course. Setting up the uh, the studio to emulate a studio as it would have appeared in 1950 with the wooden deck chairs and the the uh, 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 steel plumbing uh, or sorry of the, the iron plumbing railings and stuff just to make it feel like it was in the 1950s to help the live studio audience. That's the other thing that got me like, like
3: from the what? cameras to the lighting, everything is exactly yeah, the as The crazy right, right,
1: exaggerated up until, dress,
2: like so that the tones in black and white would be correct.
1: Right up until I watched Assembled, I actually thought it was a laugh track.
2: <laughs> Even
1: going back, going back and re-watching my episodes to make sure that I was brushed up for what we were doing today. There's, there's a few scenes where the laugh, which I thought was a laugh track, was cut off sharply. There was no fade out on the laughter. It was just, whoop, and it was cut. Yes. So I'm like, oh, it's a laugh track. And then Assembled comes along, and it's like, no, it's not a laugh track. It's a live studio audience. That's but true. talk about the, when you talk about the period dress thing, the first thought in my mind was, oh, they've double-headed all the extras for this episode to be the live audience when they're not yeah. on screen. Yes. What a great thing. What a great way to do it.
2: Yeah, and not leaking spoilers out or anything no, like that, no. and, and and having the the characters that are on the soundstage more intimately connected with the audience because the right. audience people are dressed like period people yeah, from yeah them, exactly you know? like, exactly so it's it is it's rather meta. So this also one less um, paperwork, yeah. Well, that's true too.
0: Fewer NDAs.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, really? Eh. <laughs> uh, so again, I know we touched on it briefly, sort of in the in the preamble and the initial thoughts, but like. Let's talk about the subversiveness of this episode. Like, again, like, this was pitched as Marvel's first sitcom. And I don't know about you guys, but when I heard Marvel and the word sitcom in the same sentence, I didn't know what to make of that. And then you get that title card sequence, and it's the traditional, the Marvel Studios, dun 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 And then, what? Wait, wait a minute. Why is my, sh- why is the screen shrinking? Wait, wait. Where's the sound going? Black and what the hell? So when it dropped yeah. from the sixteen by nine to four by three, I'm like, okay, there is something weird going on here.
2: I will say that I like was more cognizant of that because there are other points in where the aspect ratio switches and the screens. D- yeah, know, yeah, the yeah. Theory. But I'm so because we caught that in the Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm. I'm super aware of it when I watch anything now. Yep. Have you guys seen the Snyder Cut and its four three so aspect
1: ratio? So I have not.
2: Um, it has got a strange ratio, man.
1: So I, I
0: haven't. I haven't found four hours to spare yet.
1: I know. I went and upgraded my Crave subscription just for it. Uh, so it's sitting there in my to watch list. Yeah. yeah. But I did do some reading, and I'm, I mean, I've stayed away from spoilers and and people reviewing and trashing it because that's never going to end. But there is a explanation for the four three. Okay. So the four three is IMAX. Yes. So there is some hope that mm-hmm. this will get an IMAX release at some point, and and it will look fine because it'll be on a four three IMAX screen.
0: Damn.
1: But that is the the, the reason for the four three. But still That's gonna watch cool. it. Still gonna watch yeah. it on my widescreen oh, yeah. TV and, yeah. and not <laughs> and not care. Hell yeah! Uh, okay,
0: they go into theaters once the Backstreet Boys reunion tour is over. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
1: Backstreet's
0: back. all right <laughs>
1: Guys, what do you think about the music in this episode?
0: Very period, very
1: period super very super period. period
2: yeah, no it's like it's a strong use of all the elements to to keep you because at the same time, one of the themes is that there's an illusion going on, although it's early in the story for that, but it, it's it helps create the illusion for us too, so the illusion exists in the reality of the show and by keeping. Yeah. The illusion Everything. about the illusion. Right. So it's, you know, they, they doubled down on that. So it's, it's <laughs> you know, it's very strong.
1: It's well-researched. I mean, I know there was a lot of, uh, there was some discussion in the, uh, in the assembled piece about how they actually sat down and spoke with Dick Van Dyke and sort of how did they do it? And, and the, his reply was, well, if you couldn't do it for real, you just didn't do it. So that explained a lot of the, the camera trickery and the wire work, but, uh, Even and I I didn't, I didn't get their names. The the gentleman and the lady that did all of the theme songs.
0: Oh yeah, with the uh, with the through the
1: Wandavision. I was gonna yeah. So I'm glad you sang it because now I don't have to. But I was gonna bring that up. That (laughs) this is the first time we get that. And so like the yeah the do 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 do, the the Wandavision bit. But I fascinating that they wove that into into every theme song and. I think I picked up on it in a couple of episodes, but then there's a lot of them where it's like it's buried pretty deep. So you, you know, it's a blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But cool that they have that this continuous, consistent musical cue that applies to them in every episode. Right.
0: Well, it, it just goes to show you that, like, again, t- made for TV music is a whole different beast. And I, I, I know that I can go back to my childhood and pick out.
1: Oh, so there are
0: still there are still theme songs that I remember all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I yeah.
0: Think a lot of the ones for this show could fit into that kind of vein.
1: Very much so. Andy's you just showing drive. me now he's got a reference here. It's uh Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. I have assumed that they're a married couple. I I would think I so. so. Yeah. Potentially. And they they have some sitcom lineage uh in terms of their writing skills. So again, it's another one of those it's kind of a match made in heaven kind of deal where you just get the right people for the right job and you've got the recipe for the secret sauce and it, and it worked.
2: Yeah. It's awesome.
1: All right. Let's get, let's get into more sort of the nuts and bolts of it here, guys. I want to talk about sort of the, uh, the ups and downs and I guess I'm just going to put it out there. Like what did this episode get right? What do we think was like, yeah, this is the standout. This is, this is perfect. What do you think?
2: Certainly they subverted everyone. Yeah. Like for whether you liked it or not. Certainly they were expert at the subversion in this episode.
1: I agree.
0: There was one hook in there in that first episode on my first blush watch when I was at your place. Yeah, yeah. When they go into that like cryptid horror sequence at the dinner table. Yeah. Like that was just enough for me. Like as somebody who never watched Dick Van Dyke to go, oh, this is still a Marvel thing. Yeah. And that was what, what enabled me to mentally get past, like, this isn't my kind of TV. I got to tell you, oh, there must be something coming.
1: I have some thoughts on that scene too. That actually was a, that, that made my notes actually. That was my first cue and talk about the subversiveness of the show. The show does a fantastic job at keeping you off balance in terms of who's really the villain here, and this is the, our first kind of cue to: is Wanda the fucking villain in this show? You know what I mean? Like uh, she's getting. Are we the baddies? Well, this is it. She's getting pressured from uh, from Mister Hart, and uh, you know, at some point, she just she doesn't know what to do because she's still building the fantasy. Remember and uh, in order to shut him up, she chokes him like that's uh I don't know about you guys, but uh I'm gonna use the d and d analogy, and that's pretty evil
2: <laughs> it's, it's true and she uh you know not to skip ahead too far, but it, she she does it again in the finale, well in a larger yeah. way wow well, so i mean <laughs> it could be um she's panicking let's do
1: let's not let's just let, Without jumping ahead, I mean, mm. let's keep in mind that she's kidnapped an entire town and held them hostage for a week. <laughs> no, it's true. She's, yeah.
2: If nothing else, she's morally ambiguous. That's right. Point. So <laughs> like
1: talk about that the subversiveness of the show. I mean, I actually, I would call that a, a really strong point of the series overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, mm-hmm. so the, the dinner table thing was sort of my first clue to like, oh, what what's really going on here?
2: One of the things yeah. about the dinner table scene is the, uh, the boss's wife. And yes. I, I didn't yeah. write down the actress, but it that's the, Deborah Joe. Of, of, Kitty Foreman. It is. And that's my point is that their use of actors that we've seen in sitcoms that lasted 10 years or for eight sure. Years for sure. Yeah. Reinforces the fact that, that cause we recognize her as an actress.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: First. Right. So it really reinforces that there's an actress playing a part within a show, within a show. And it, it does serve like those little things like david schwimmer oh yeah <laughs> you know yeah like, yeah that stuff, that yeah stuff exactly really exactly the, the idea that this is a tv show home
0: huh. good times well it, it, this that also like is kind of how the through line of how we get into that's the one like i said that's the one thing that grabbed me and was like all right let's watch episode two and then there was another thing in episode two where it's like okay there's something here let's there was enough
1: out. of a hook to to keep you going.
0: Yeah, and representing the younger crowd, I, I I feel that if that hadn't been there or hadn't been executed as well as it was, you'd yeah. have it, lost me.
1: Again, I found the overacting to be quite charming, and like you, we've already said, it's so period-appropriate. The other, I
0: just like it when they all talk like that. Yeah, exactly. Golly, you settled in fast. Did you use a moving company?
1: Wow, Han. <laughs> Anybody find it funny that uh, Vision, the living computer, is really good at computational uh, uh, math? Hey, what, what do we do here, Norm? We compute things. Yeah. Then what is the purpose of this company? But 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 for what? Well, for efficiency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It's true. Yeah. Which, so... Again,
0: h- kind of highlights. If you go back to any of those old sitcoms and ask even the slightest question about logic, it all kind of crumbles apart but that's not the point of it.
1: Anyway. (laughs) I think sort of the, uh, the other last, the last thing for me as a strong point for this episode, and I guess it applies equally to the, uh, the next one too, because they're both fifties, sixties blurred. Um, Mm -hmm. That's, and that's going to come up as well. It's a strong point, but it's also a weak point at the same time that this, this episode actually tries to, it's a hybrid amalgam of I love Lucy and the Dick Van Dyke show. But but those shows premiered a decade apart. So like the Dick Van Dyke Show is actually a a '60s show, not a '50s show, and they tried to Mm. to to shoehorn this one squarely into the 1950s. But that was notwithstanding that scene in the kitchen where the cupboards are flying open, dishes into his head, so well done. If you were to make us, they've having the budget, of course, that Disney has. Of course, it's going to be perfect. But like. You take all those old camera tricks and you marry that with modern CGI and you have yeah. the perfect execution of that. Like it couldn't have looked yeah, better in any way. <laughs> as far one as I'm thing concerned. I
2: noted and it sort of comes into focus while you say that like there's sort of two trope shows that they, they meld together. Yeah. And what I noticed was like in, in episode one, they start out strongly in the fifties. Yeah. Uh, they strong, like strongly with the, I love Lucy thing. And then they sort of, Slowly morph into the Dick Van Dyke show.
1: They do, yeah, they really and do. So the,
2: and what I'll get into too is in, in episode two is that they slowly start out with the Dick Van Dyke show and morph into Bewitched.
1: Well, the whole uh, two single bed, so- the two single bed thing is a is a hallmark tro- uh, trope of right. what you could show on TV in the 1950s. That yeah. so I
2: think all of the episodes until we get really right into reality yeah. are. Just made up of things, and and they're they're slowly transitioning into one another.
0: Some of the right, transitions right. are a little bit abrupt, but yeah,
2: I, I agree. That's There's true. Five year time example. jumps. That's true.
1: So just on that note, like again, like I said, it's a strong point for me, but it's again, it's also a, a bit of a detractor because I find like, and I'm just going to put the question out there because these shows tend to be amalgams of. I guess it's not multi-genre but multi uh decade. You know, does that uh, does that blending make the episode stronger or is it diluted because it doesn't excel as a it doesn't excel as a 50s episode and it doesn't excel as a 60s episode either. It's somewhere in between and I I can't I I'm still undecided if that makes it stronger or weaker.
3: I think it well, makes it, it- stronger. Just because yeah. of your thoughts of it being like a twelve-step, she's oh, yeah. going through those steps. She's going forward. Sure, sure. And they're the other, visually showing you that forward momentum.
1: Right.
0: The other part of that is you're supposed to be a little bit unsettled by these episodes. So maybe the the sort of disambiguate and look disambiguation. Yeah, I know the one you're <laughs> talking about. Combobulation <laughs> that you're sensing is intentional. Cause, yeah, yeah. You know there's something not quite right going on. You're not quite feeling like it
2: fits.
1: Oh, and I guess that just ties right back into the whole like subversive nature of the show itself. Right.
2: Mm -hmm. The format is perfect because if this were a novel, I never would have got past the first chapter. Oh, it's like me trying to
1: read. uh, It's like trying to read the Lord of the Rings. They they spend uh, 200 pages in and we're still in the Shire. Mm, Bit of a slog.
0: Take a shot every time you hear the word subversive (laughs) or trope or trope.
1: All right, I'm. Anything else you guys want to touch on before I push on to the next one?
0: Uh, Um, There's
3: one specific Easter egg on that table. I
1: definitely have Easter eggs. I have a whole schmackety wackety of them. Oh my! Any other? Pick your favorite. Is there anything else in the episode that you guys think that was that was off that they could have done better?
0: No.
2: Oh. Yeah. for what if it the, was, it was. Yes, I mean that in retrospect, the execution is perfect. I would have preferred episode one to be exactly like episode nine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in yeah. Terms of, I just want to knock down slugfest. Amazing, <laughs> uh fun ride all the time. But how we got there was very interesting, and, and uh, uh, in retrospect, I enjoy the
1: ride. All right, so let's talk about Easter eggs, and there are yeah. lots of them. I have like a big list of them, but I don't necessarily want to like read them out. So let's just go around and, and you guys can talk about the ones that you noticed. And, uh, if there's any that you missed, I'll fill in the blanks. So I'll start first. The 732 area code on the sold sign of the house during the opening credits is a real New Jersey area code that happens to be where Wanda and Vision settled down in the comics in 1982.
2: I did not. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and now I'll, I'll tie this one together. Here's another one for you. Westview, the town of Westview, all one word, does not exist. The town Westview, two words, does exist in New Jersey. It's a real place.
0: Huh.
1: Yeah. Close to another city called Leonia in New Jersey. So, yeah, get the ball rolling with that. Who else has got a, an Easter egg they want to share?
0: I want. I got to talk about that commercial, man.
1: The commercial, yeah, let's the, go for it.
0: The commercial. So, oh, Toastmate 2000. I the right
1: one? Yeah, the Toastmate yes. 2000.
0: So, that blinking red light on the front of the Toastmate is yep. supposed to represent the uh, blinking red light on the Stark Bomb that we see in Episode 8. That's right. It also harkens back to uh, Iron Man, yeah. the first MCU movie ever made.
1: Well, there's Where a bomb a,
0: drops in on Tony Stark, and the same light is there.
1: There's also a clear audio cue when she pushes the toast button down that you get the the same power-up sound as one of Tony's uh, repulsors that... Mm-hmm.
0: And the last thing I want to say about that is, if you turn the toaster upside down, the numbers on it say 666.
1: Oh, I missed that. I totally missed a, that one.
0: Which is a misdirect allusion to Mephisto.
1: That's true. But is it a misdirect? Because that's, for me, I'm still they not convinced.
0: the entire series.
1: I'm still so, not convinced that he's not involved.
2: Yeah. Have you seen the, uh, and I've got to bring this up, have you seen the interview with the creators? And it's on YouTube, and I, I should have the I have not. Link and I'll send it to you. I, I'll so, have to see that link, yeah. So they, they explained that they had to abandon plot lines because of COVID. Oh, that's, that's the fair. The show was oh, okay. like 12 episodes long. Oh, wow. And so there's certain like, they uh, they uh, abandoned several things. But not, they haven't abandoned them, but they've they've had to push them further down the road. And they will wow, appear they in other MCU stuff. Fisto. But they just pushed it. We know that, but they didn't. They're just, it's yeah, yeah. it's coming. Well, and this is we're supposed to... this is the and, same thing. And that's thing one of the things, the, yes. Uh, they, they dropped the Enchantress. The Jimmy Woo thing. Jimmy Woo
1: is at Westview because he's actually working on a missing persons uh, case. Who's he looking for? Right. <laughs> right, right. The dropped, theory the, is Reed he was Richards
0: looking for reference. <laughs> the, the, the theory was he was looking for Ralph Boner, but we'll see.
1: That actually makes sense to me that Ralph being uh, surreptitiously murdered. <laughs> Spoiler, <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, I'm gonna just I, I want to throw something else out there on the Toastmate thing because there's there's another layer here. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, Tom King did a run on the Vision comic book, and in that comic book. Also, famously, possibly influenced by the rebooted *Battlestar Galactica*, Vision is derogatorily referred to as a "fucking toaster."
2: (laughs) There's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) so I mean, on a
1: on a symbolic level, the toaster. So the toaster is a is a metaphor for Vision and the bomb, although it's a weird kind of connection there.
2: And I I also think if you examine all the commercials that there's an element I think that that there's a they relate also to uh, the Infinity Stones. Each one is a separate Infinity Stone. Yeah. I think, that, I think that the the light on the toaster is representative of the the uh, the Infinity Stone that Vision holds. Right. Right. And the, the I mean the second commercial and I'll get into that is yep. the Hydra watch, which is oh right stone. right right. And it can, and it does the trope keeps going. The Strucker kind of catch yeah exactly
1: yeah yeah right and do you got one you to want to share? share
2: it
3: might be a speculation one but it does hold a spot in the comics when agnes brings them a housewarming plant oh right it's quite possible that it's the everbloom
2: from mount wondegore oh,
1: interesting
2: nice. wow. the uh cylons in Battlestar galactica often referred to as toasters yeah
1: exactly and i think that's kind of the where i was going i wonder if you know if um if tom king was uh, influenced by that show when he did his run on uh, on vision i would have to double check that to see what years that was but i feel it's relatively recent i would
2: think so yeah and did you guys that catch is a the... hell
0: of a poll <laughs> <laughs> like i didn't even think of that that is well pulled
2: did you guys catch the the alternate acronym for sword at the end i did not yep so the MCU acronym for S.W.O.R.D. is Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: While the comics, uh, it's very subtle, but it's Sentient World Observation and Response world. Department. Interesting. So the weapon is replaced for world. Yeah, okay. S.W.O.R.D. is a
0: space division in the comics.
2: Right, and so here they're a weapons division, and is Wanda a weapon? Vision certainly is a weapon.
1: Oh yeah, for sure he is. Right. That dovetails quite nicely. It fits in with the whole context of the show in, in general and kind of what Hayward is doing. So that totally makes sense to me. Yeah. So did anybody catch the uh, the calendar?
2: Obviously nope. not. The cal- <laughs>
1: so the calendar in the kitchen is marked with a heart, which is indicative of Mr. Heart. We find that out during the episode, but it's August 23rd. So August 23rd could be written as 0823, or it could also okay. be written as 238. And if it's if we were to interpret it as 238, it could be referencing Avengers number 238, which is a story in which Vision is similarly revived after a battle with Annihilus.
2: Oh, crazy. Yeah. West, you're the king. <laughs> the,
0: the number games is one layer too deep for me. There are so many of them. They have
2: to. Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: I know. It's yeah.
0: just a little too subtle.
1: I, I know thought I went there, hard on
2: the on my Easter eggs. That's beautiful, Wes. Well, there's
1: some other ones that were just so obscure that I'm like, I don't think that the casual viewer will appreciate it. So I'm That's like, I just leave it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. Okay.
1: So how about the how about the cameo around Agnes's neck? And I don't mean cameo appearance, I mean the actual piece of jewelry that she <laughs> wears.
2: No, it's true. And I, um, immediately I you know, it jumped to mind. Also, she's wearing a cape in this episode. Like a little half cape shawl oh, in her yeah, fur. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's right. When she comes so out. I
2: immediately, you know, I mean, not, I shouldn't say immediately, but it, you know, by about the third episode, I was starting to recognize that who that might be. And uh, yeah.
1: All right. So uh, I got quite a few. If you want to keep going, we can keep going on this one because there's a few more good ones.
0: Well, we're stepping a little bit long on episode one. I just feel like I should mention.
1: Okay, well. We
3: we should at least (laughs) talk about the wine bottle, though. Okay,
1: so if you want to talk about the wine bottle, so. Let's crack them off quick. Okay, so let's go quick. Episode one. Ralph Boner uh, gets a name drop here when Agnes makes her uh, reference to her never-seen husband, Ralph, when she says...
0: My husband,
1: Ralph. The only way Ralph would remember our anniversary is if there was a beer named June
2: 2nd. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. June 2nd is the date of the Salem witch trial.
1: June 2nd, 1692, the trial of Bridget Bishop begins the Salem witch trials. This could be a reference to both Agnes concealing her identity as a witch or just a thematic reference for Wanda as the Scarlet Witch. However, it works on both levels. Yes, sir. Vision's necktie with the four dots in the rectangle looking like something out of an electrical schematic may be a visual cue to remind us that he is a machine. Mm -hmm. The wine bottle with the very prominent M on the neck is a bottle of Maison du Mépris, which translates to House of Contempt, a clear nod to the House of M storyline from Marvel Comics. yeah so as vision hits the remote control for the t v at the end of the show and the frame shrinks down until he and Wanda are framed in a hexagon, it is our first reference to Wanda's hex powers and as my I'm sure uh, remotes
0: are not native to that time <laughs>
1: uh i I wasn't a hundred percent sure on that, but I wasn't gonna argue it 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 kinda it's neat, and this one is a is a cool one for me as a podcaster. At the very end of the episode, when the ambiguous person, who we find out to be Darcy Lewis, is sitting there watching the episode, she folds her uh, sword notebook over, puts a pen down. Sitting on the table right beside her is the Rodecaster Pro Podcasting Mixer.
2: Excellent. <laughs> so
1: I had to put that one in there as a podcaster. I thought, oh, neat little nod to... uh to a piece of uh, cool, fancy sword tech, which really isn't all that fancy when you know what it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm
0: glad I made you pause that screen. Yeah. When we, when, when we were watching.
1: <laughs> that's it, guys. That's all I've got for Easter eggs. And uh, yeah, so I guess that's uh, episode one in a nutshell. Anybody got anything else they want to add on to that before we move on?
0: No, that's pretty well thought. Right on.
1: Amen.
2: You're listening to Fandom Power.
1: Up for episode two. Hank. Oh uh, me. Me.
2: Episode two. Don't touch that dial. It also aired on January 15th. They aired both the first two episodes the same night. Written by mm-hmm. Gretchen Enders. I couldn't find any. She's definitely written other things in Hollywood. I just didn't recognize any of them. Fair enough. <laughs> you know. uh, directed again by Mac Shackman. Shakeman. Yeah. Uh, same as the first episode. I also wrote sort of my own uh synopsis. Nice as yours it's pithy and then when i looked at their official synopsis i was like oh
1: it's really close i just had
2: more words (laughs) i wanted to struggle to fit into westview society and plan a way to wow the town with a magic act for its annual children's fundraiser show i like bewitched
1: i like this episode (laughs) it was fun yeah the magic show was fun
2: i took your cues and i just thought we'd ask questions like so prevailing themes and I thought, you know, the sitcom theme is still very prevalent. And and, mm-hmm. and obviously it runs through, you know, most of the episodes. And um, another theme is we're, we're moving through time. You, you can really see. And by the time we hit the third episode, obviously, we're, we're really starting to move quickly through time. And um, I think that's a, a theme of the entire overall show. Right. I love Lucy's been replaced with Bewitched. Uh, it's obvious from the sort of the animated opening, uh, which was you know if if anybody's ever seen that or you go back and see it, it's it's the, you know you could play them. It's quite screen, charming. It's right. It's 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 awesome. It is, and uh, we've clearly jumped a decade, which is the idea is like we're we're in the '60s now, firmly entrenched in the '60s. Oh, big time! And uh, more color. Like the color red is a theme, and it it's starting to bleed. Into the world in a few spots, and we'll talk about that in a little yeah. more detail and also the trope of having a commercial embedded in your episode is right is
1: on the, the the bewitched thing you know like for all of the uh, the the sitcom episodes because we do get some more traditional MCU stuff towards the end, but for everything that is embedded within like show within a show, you can't help but acknowledge that bewitched is pervasive through every episode just by the nature of her powers
2: certainly um yeah it you know wanda wanda could be that character it's she could um, be samantha (laughs) it is the closest trope sitcom to what you know if if you had to pluck wanda out of the mcu and pop her into 1960s reality she would be the star of bewitched it's just you know so it, it it works really well it's it's super meta yeah
0: well, it's super duper meta because the episode itself is about them putting on a magic show.
1: Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> now, do Again,
0: we, so turtles all the way down.
1: Do we meet? Do we, we right meet down. Monica in this episode?
2: We do. Uh, at the, yeah, at the garden so. party. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, at the pool. At the pool party, the preamble for the the, the fundraiser. But at this point, she's um, still in
1: Geraldine. That's right. Yeah. That's
2: right. And uh, I've sort of written my notes. They're kind of intertwined with my Easter eggs. Sure. Sure. So I don't sure. know. My format's kind of a little different, no, but. No. Since we're talking about Geraldine, one of the things, she's wearing a pin on her jacket. Okay. The pin is like a spiral. I, I wish we could almost freeze the show people, but it's like a spiral. Anyways, it, it looks exactly like Doctor Strange's wormhole magic.
1: Oh. And so really?
2: I think it's our first little indication that she's probably from another reality or from outside this reality.
1: What, like the sling so ring portals?
2: It's just, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, exactly. okay, yeah. Exactly. Like the
1: sparking wheel.
2: You know, and I think some of the motivation for some of the characters in this, like like she strongly wants to fit in. Vision has questions about what it takes to do that, you know, in terms of that. But she's she's looking like, like Westview is getting bigger. It's getting more elaborate. TV get more elaborate in the 60s. Sets got bigger. That We've switched oh, from yeah, the three-camera sure style to a more, you know, we're getting close-ups in this episode. We're getting like pan shots, right? You know, we're advancing in technology too. The same way that we talked about the uh, previous episode had, uh, you know, a, a studio audience. We're we're just advancing in the filmmaking techniques as well. So we're we're tracking. In right. other words, yeah, <laughs> I'm at, uh <laughs> I think it's just it really again it's it's a slightly elevated like the acting is a little less exaggerated, but it's still that style. So they they're, they're yeah. working really hard to keep us in the illusion and we we start to see that crack and like uh like eric had said last episode with with little hooks the hooks are larger this time they're they're you know uh yeah when Dottie cuts her hand and it's red um, yeah yeah these the the, heli- the helicopter and the, the sword the sword logo and, and the fact that that's color and just before she really starts to question it agnes appears do These... like you know? Oh, hey, what's going on? It's the star of the show. Yeah, like yeah. The fourth wall suggesting that that character might be who we think she is. Yeah, really. That I mean, and and she, she had was had rumored all along. You know, again, we're we're guessing who's the villain, who's the bad guy. We're we're not certain that Agnes, you know, but there's some more strong indicators here.
1: The whole uh, Agnes thing, as Agatha Harkness, came up really early in the show's run and again talking about those fan reactions as the show was airing this is one that went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and yes. i mean talking about agatha as a character in the comic books i mean i don't think you know i think we all kind of have, well if she's agatha is she not more of a guide character and less of an antagonist but
2: she's been many things that turned out to Wanda be <laughs> in the comics and that's yeah, sort of yeah. where my i'm strong, stronger stronger more versed in the comics than I am in the, in the sort of the MCU, even though I'm a fan of both. I mean, she first appears in the comics as the, the nanny of Franklin Richards.
1: That's right. Yeah.
2: So that got me excited in terms of we're expanding the MCU and we know we're going to be including the fantastic four and the X-Men. Oh yeah. And so that was like, Oh wow. For me, that was like my gateway into the fantastic four, which is some of my favorite comic book stuff. So that's initially where my head was with that. And then, you know, then remembering that, she briefly mentored Wanda that she was Wanda's nanny for her twins. That's right. Yeah. I started going down that rabbit hole, which was that eventually we find out that she's, she's, you know, instrumental in the plot for Mephisto to have his soul, you know, and all that. I don't want to break anybody else's. No, no, but, but that eventually Wanda kills her in the comics, you know? And so you just start to go, as soon as you realize that that's who that might be, you start to go down a crazy rabbit hole there.
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad that they didn't kill her because that would be a terrible waste of a Catherine Hahn. I was gonna say yeah, C- I, Catherine, I, yeah. Catherine yeah. Hahn.
1: Her acting throughout the series is a it's a highlight in every episode. Like every scene that she's in, it's you know you just there's something about her you want to see more of her. It's true.
2: One thing I didn't like. Uh, in terms of like rewatching, realizing that that Geraldine is actually Monica Rambeau because yep. it was announced at D three the year before by Kevin oh, Feige that she playing okay. the character, so it wasn't like wasn't I knew a big, who it was right away. Ooh. And uh, unfortunately, you know what I mean? Like, I do. I do. I yeah. Like to have a little bit more of the long con there. Well, that's, I, I really that's our that
1: fault as the, the f- type of fans that we are, fans who, that we who are will consume yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Voraciously yeah.
2: at that. <laughs> our parents don't catch that detail. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> Who's this Rambo Rambo? Isn't he in the jungle killing
2: people? Absolutely. Hey,
1: wrong Rambo dad.
2: Rambo with an X. Yeah. I also think that children now become a, a central theme of this episode. Yeah, it, uh, do you they know, so They really do actually. So the fundraiser is children. Right.
0: Well, the Agatha, idea of children becomes right. central. No, because... absolutely.
2: But it's 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 pushed to the forefront. So Ag- Agnes is like, "Hey, you know, like the Why don't episode, you have she, children? Yeah. Exactly. She was hinting at it, but now she's saying children are your gateway to garden parties and high society. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so she's, Agnes is now pushing the idea of children on her, and then she, you know, which is probably Wanda's subconscious want for children anyway. And we get to the point where, you know, we're planning a fundraiser for the children, and even to the point where all the people are parroting for the children like robots. Yeah, for the yeah, children. yeah, yeah. All of this for the children for the children several times this happens for the children for the children this is the way
1: and can i just exactly can i just interject for a second that we sure. don't we don't actually see children in the series no. until episode until 6 that's <laughs> correct yeah, so wow. not to any degree is what i'm saying i mean like the other kids like
3: yeah the other children of West right
1: too. So, you know, again, going back to that whole subversiveness of the show and wondering, you know, because I really struggled with, like, how much of this is Wanda's subconscious, you know, in the driver's seat? She's kidnapped an entire town, and she's manipulating them, but she's not manipulating the kids until it's brought to her attention that, like you say, kids are the gateway.
0: Well, if we're talking about Agatha... Maybe she incepted the idea of the children into Wanda.
2: Yeah, it's entirely possible. So we still don't know who's, at this point, we don't know if Wanda is in control, if somebody's con- yeah. like no, certainly the, she's and, doing it, but is somebody yeah. controlling Wanda is... Who's driving the car. Exactly. Well, and so I think we're still playing into that.
1: And that's where I say, like, that's why I question, is the Mephisto thing completely dropped? Because... It doesn't necessarily have to stop with Agatha. Can it not be, and we're going to talk about this in, in episode 9, Wanda, uh, who has essentially locked Agatha into the Agnes character, hears her children. So if we're to believe that Agnes somehow was the conduit, you know, for the children. For the children. Who was pulling her strings. So I still yeah, think they, that there's a, there's an avenue for a bigger
2: bad to have been behind as much as we all don't like Haywood or Hayward. Hayward, Yeah. uh, The the, brand new by the way. Yes. Yes. And and literally in a, in a TV show that is about meta TV shows, he's the only one with the title director.
1: Oh, that's true. That's so true. (laughs) Funny. You should say that. Wow. Way to pull that one out. I never even would have, I never would have got to that.
0: That yeah, yeah. went completely over my head.
1: Yeah, well done.
2: The devil's in the details, Bev. That's not the only place he is. So, any what, what do we get right this episode?
1: The magic show was completely charming and uh just it was super fun uh for them super to fun. be for them to be able to you know, show off their powers in a way that doesn't show off their powers. <laughs>
2: I really liked that when Vision went into that town sort of hall security meeting with the rest of the men in town. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He went into it like an Avenger.
1: Yeah, he did.
2: He went in like, okay, so uh, how often do we run security detail? You know, what are the biggest threats here? And he, he literally went into that like an Avenger.
1: Yeah.
3: I know these are indeed grave matters.
2: And they're like, you know, and then they him down.
1: Have um, a donut. Raspberry
2: or cheese
1: filled? <laughs> who,
2: who, do you think Wanda fed him the gum? Do you think that that... Like you, you think that was an accident? To to literally to literally oh. gum him up. He's asking <laughs> questions. He's starting to yeah. question reality. Yeah, and the gumming him up belays all the questions for the rest of the episode. It really does. How do we think about what do we? How do we feel about that? If Wanda's controlling everything, or if somebody's controlling Wanda, who's driving? Who gives Vision the gum in that moment? I don't eat food. Oh, neither for me. Thank you. I don't eat food. Well,
1: knowing what we know about about vision this incarnation of vision being uh, a byproduct of of her love and what infinity stone uh, residuals lie within her i i would have to say she is she's responsible for that
2: i think so yeah i I think so and i think it it might go off better than she expected which is why she's Got to cover. And also another classic trope is the the drunk husband and the wife covering up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The slapstick nature of that.
1: At a time in history where that was funny and not like, oh, you've got. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: (laughs) I think you hit it pretty hard there, Rick. (laughs) Any missed opportunities
1: for this one? No, I don't think so. I feel like this one, these first two episodes, because we're still well into subversive territory where people are still deciding if they like it or not. Uh, even on the the second go around, I was like, "Nope, makes sense to me." It it lands where it needs to, to advance the show. I don't think there were many. Uh, we talked about this on the Mandalorian about filler episodes. I right. don't. I don't feel there was any episode of Wandavision that was filler.
2: No, no, not at all. It's all no. stacked. Yeah, stacked. Yeah,
1: it's very. Uh, the show is exceptionally good at at nuance, and and that's where the man, that's where it's at. the whole nuance of the of everything that's if you're if you're adept enough to to pick that out, what is there to complain about so any, no for uh, me for me, there was nothing.
2: Any Easter eggs that stick out to you guys before I kind uh, uh, of no, why don't you
1: uh why don't you kick off with the first one and we'll see if we can uh, pull some
2: more out you know, it's one of the classic t v themes that's not so hitting you on the head. Is um a family trying to keep a secret from the rest of the neighborhood. So think out no. or you know, like or think I uh, dream of genie or, 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 or I dream of genie or bewitched, exactly. Sabrina's so, a teenage witch. <laughs> right, trying yeah. to keep a secret. So that's that's another kind of theme and, and another nod to things. So in the opening in the animation sequence, yeah, uh, we get um there's some posters on the back wall. Let me see here. Oh, the first thing we get actually is in the cupboard, under the cupboard, is the Grim Reaper's helmet. Oh, The villain, the Grim Reaper. Oh. Whose yep. name is Eric Williams. Brother. Who's the brother of Simon Williams. If I'm pushing any buttons yet. Yep. Who is Wonder Man. Wonder Man. Who in the comics, Vision's brain patterns are... are patterned after Wonder Man. Patterned after, after Wonder yeah. Man. That's right. Wow. When Wanda's in the grocery store in the animation, there's yeah. the... uh there's a bova milk ad in the back Ooh. bova is the woman cow who the was midwife the of midwife of oh, wondergore midwife that delivered her and her brother petro in wondergore um, yeah that's way beyond my uh... <laughs> there's another there's another poster in that scene that's um basically uh auntie a's kitty litter okay which is it's totally Agatha Harkness. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that makes. <laughs> and her sense. cat. Yep. That totally and makes sense. There's also a uh, poster for Wonder Oats, which is another reference to oh, Wonder, Wonder Man. Wonder Man. Wonder
1: Man. Yeah. All Wonder in that
2: Earth. little little scene. The names that they choose for themselves. Okay. Um. Uh. In the magic act. Yeah. Illusion and glamour. Yeah. Uh, glamour is a D and D spell. That's right. Tricks people into seeing Something an illusion else. Yeah. To, to distract from reality.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: there's also another weird one, and I—I I, this isn't mine. I don't know. I can't recall where I got it, but this is another weird one. In the Kermit the Frog song, Rainbow Connection, he sings yeah. the line, visions are also illusions.
0: Rainbows are visions.
2: Uh, he does too.
0: But only
1: illusions. <laughs> he does too. <laughs> This episode overall for me was interesting. I, I really liked the uh, the garden party and the whole idea that, you know, Agnes had a rival in, um, uh, what's her name? The blonde lady. Dottie. Dottie. And Dottie. Played by yeah. Emma Caulfield. Yeah, I really liked that dynamic between the two of them. I thought that was classic. Uh, you think
0: maybe she was supposed to be the enchantress?
2: I
1: do. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't pick up enough on that. I didn't catch the Asgardian connection throughout the show, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't there. It just means I was not
2: perceptive enough to pick up on it. Just, just based on the fact that that we we have Wanda getting her powers ostensibly from Loki's from experiments with Loki's weapon, is yeah, a, enough of a link to Asgard for me.
1: Even in the context of the MCU, where the staff is an Infinity Stone.
2: Yeah, no, it's enough. Well, that's what plus, we're talking plus, about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And plus the fact that uh the Enchantress in the in the Wanda the Vision and Scarlet Witch eight part miniseries comic. Yeah. Enchantress is very strongly She's uh, featured in that, the yeah. villains of that.
0: Plus there are only so many witches. That you, <laughs> that's can, true. That you true. can sprinkle into this as an easter egg.
2: That is There's true. There's only a
1: handful. <laughs> but even so, I mean, we've we've talked about this before outside of the confines of this show where you know, uh, Thor in his, you know, drawing y- Yggdrasil for Jane and talking about Asgardian magic and, you know, making a reference to it being science. that's just not understood. It's true. It's so true. to me, that that's less of a link for me only because of that explanation. But that doesn't mean that that's, that is the way it is. It's just, it's another one of those well, mysteries. Maybe that's a plot thread that'll get picked up in the multiverse the, the of the other madness. side
0: of that argument is just because you know how it works doesn't mean it's st- not that it's magic. not
1: magic. No, you're absolutely right, Eric.
2: We move into a few other tropes here too. Sure, like the, beyond our timeline, we get Pleasantville trope. Oh, like yeah, the idea yeah, of color yeah, yeah. in you know, or the the oh, yeah. trope, right? Yeah, a Truman Show trope when Agnes literally breaks the wall and says "Star of the Show." Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like like hinting at something else. We, that's a Truman Show reference for sure. Yep. And then. The idea, sort of, um, that Wanda is controlling people to, you know, is a, is a Twilight Zone episode reference to the sh- uh, an episode called The Good Life, where a, a young child is controlling all the parents in town, and they're they're constantly just trying to please him so he doesn't harm them. It's, it's right. very similar to that. When the radio starts to talk to them. Oh, right, strong, right. help me, wan- Help me, Rhonda. Help me, Rhonda. Changes the last bar of it yeah. changes to help me, Wanda. Help
1: me, Wanda. For
2: a split second before the voice comes through,
1: which yeah. I
2: think breaks Wanda's concentration, and that's why Dottie snaps out of it.
1: There's a lot of um questions about Wanda's control over Westview, and and how how uh, how pervasive is that? Because later on, throughout the show, we see certainly like her influence is definitely stronger in relation to where you are in reference to where she is, like the physical yeah, distancing true. thing. So cool. And also, I mean, that was a, that was the, what am I trying to say? The, the radio thing. That's uh, we know now that that's Yay. Jimmy and uh, Darcy trying to communicate through the, right. the Westview anomaly. Still super, super cool that it lands on that exact moment.
2: No, it's exactly, and you get to sort of see that this has been happening for a while in reality, and this has all yeah. happened already. And there's a few more that come up like that in the in the next few episodes. Right. And Don't also, like on just my flashback. Of, the last thing I'd like to talk about, I guess, is the commercial. Yeah, go for it. Uh, mm-hmm. For this, the Strucker watch, and so you know, I mean, that shouldn't even be lost on people who are casual fans. That Baron Strucker is the guy that experimented on the twins to give them their powers in the MCU.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm
2: and it there's even they even go so far as to put a hydra symbol on the watch. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I really right. like that. I thought it was quite quite stylish.
2: And then there's the tagline. He'll make time for you.
1: <laughs> I want that watch. I'm not
2: going to Right. Work. He'll make time for you. There's a there's a huge there's a huge theme and and that's that's time. Uh, all, all the there's newspapers that start to appear. And um it's really I'm going to, I'm going to hammer on this on my episode five bit tidbit, but there's newspapers that appear and the references that are on the cover are all to motherhood and the references that are all on the back are about television or time. And that it, it's the newspapers are referencing Wanda trying to, to use television as a way to, to, to gain motherhood. Right. right. Or what she thinks might motherhood might be or mean to her.
1: On the on I the... Think possibly
2: there's a there's a fan theory and i I kind of strongly like it that the two actors in the commercials okay are her actual parents oh I never it's just a little fan service the thing, actors were might... her parents the same the, actors? the, the yeah that the, the actors may be her parents yeah. oh
1: i never even i never even uh included that one no. that's interesting
2: yeah so again i mean uh
1: the first two episodes again they're to me are the the quite literally the most subversive of the, of the whole series. And I think if you made it, if you made it through this one, you were in for the ride. And, uh, I think episode three is where it really starts to take off. Did you have any more you wanted to put out there, Hank?
2: No, I just, no, that's, that's perfectly it. Um, I think we did pretty good. Um, yeah, no, there was lots of little, like upon starting to watch it for more than just the story beats. Yeah. Like, when i when i saw the helmet uh or and i started you know pausing things and looking um it just got that made it i made it more fun it made it less about you know the the story and more about like what what kind of what what kind of prizes can i find as a comic book fan so this is and realizing that they were all through there That that's exactly how i started watching it all
1: in your in your first go around, and I don't remember from our previous shows, but after episode two, the first time around, were you still in that like, what the hell is this, or were you were you converted by now?
2: I I wouldn't say converted. Like episode three certainly solidified like, what you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, do. I, I, was, I do. I was all in by episode three. Yeah, but I I was willing to wait at this. I, you know <laughs> after the first I've 10 gone this far when I was almost <laughs> not willing to wait and you know enough of the meat had come like enough of the story and there was enough questions there was enough funny there was enough right. serious that it kept me going yeah no i'll i'll, I'll you get one more and then by th- episode 3 i was like okay give me 50 more that's fine <laughs> nice
1: <laughs> perfect this episode of fandom power is brought to you in part by collectorsplatoon.ca collectorsplatoon.ca organizers of the annual toronto collectors platoon toy show Check out collectorsplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit collectorsplatoon.ca today. All right, then, I guess uh, that's it for episode two. Who's got episode three?
3: I have got episode
1: three. All right, let's get into it.
3: Okay, so episode three, now in color. It's 33 minutes long, directed by Matt Shackman. Uh, Written by Megan McDonnell, and it was released on January 22nd. Right. Uh, I did not write my own synopsis, so I just got ah. that's fine. Wanda's pregnancy fritzes her powers as she and Vision prepare for an accelerated pregnancy. Oh, yeah. And this one is really heavy into the Brady Bunch theme. Right. But it's also got a bit of the Mary Tyler Moore show in there.
1: I would agree with that, for sure. For sure.
3: In this episode, things are starting to unravel.
1: Yeah, um, they are, aren't they?
3: Like, little hints here and there that Wanda's concentration or something is slipping. Because- I wondered
1: throughout the course of the series, like, how, how far was the series going to dip into the comic book? And specifically, how far were they going to dip into her split personality? And I wondered if that's kind of what was coming through here, like, we talked about, you know, was there something else fueling her, fueling Agnes? The flip side of that was it is this her split personality? You know, one side of her is protecting the children while at the same time manipulating the adults. And in this episode, I was still like, is she like, is she losing it? Is she, is she like starting to drown inside her own madness? It's
2: possible. That's
1: where I kind of was at with this
2: one. Yeah, the mirror is definitely starting to crack. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
3: So again, when uh Visions out talking to Herb, Agnes shows up right. and kind of steers the conversation away from don't question what's going on here. Yeah. Uh further, you know, fueling people's theory that she was Agatha. Agatha.
1: What do we think about him cutting the wall?
0: I still don't know about
1: that. I don't now. know either. I'm still uh, uh,
0: breaking the fourth wall? Oh.
1: Mm. is that a stretch i don't know if that's a stretch maybe no, it's not I, I don't know
2: you know no i it could be literal i mean there are certain things where they're being subtle but they they do start to hit us over the head and they it could do. be the first that could be the that first that was that was my takeaway no was it's that? not it's, it's it's strong oh that's it, super
1: it, perceptive on your part erica because yeah, i did It could get be that. the first
2: actual baseball bat to the head there yeah you know? yeah, yeah we're coming out of the subtlety we're literally cutting the wall yeah interesting no, good call bro
3: well that leads us to our next little uh, baseball bat over the head because when Vision goes in he right. says to Wanda there's something wrong and this is the first yeah. time she visibly rewinds it on him and says nope take it again
1: i think something's wrong here wanda yeah that's right
3: because that was not the way she wanted
0: it going so yeah i, I love the concept of like she's doing different takes like back to one let's try this over
1: yo yeah absolutely I like the idea that, and of course, as we find out later on, that whole, like, you're the part of me that is the, you know, the, the mind stone, it really lends itself into like what you said in the, the neighborhood watch meeting, Hank, about at his core, he's still an Avenger and he's still questioning. He's still wanting to do the right thing, even though he doesn't know why. He just does. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that that, Sean, it starts to shine through here where he starts questioning.
0: Yeah, That's why it, he can lift the hammer.
2: Yeah. At the end because of the he's day, got he's got that core of goodness. He's also a, a super advanced computer whose functions are to, to solve problems.
1: Well, I mean, core, the, right? the the Jarvis AI ran, like Tony said, uh, Jarvis, you know, does more than, you know, everybody except Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, so at the core of it, there is that that aspect.
3: So as our episode continues here, Wanda starts getting contractions. Like the pregnancy is sped along so fast. Oh yes. And eventually her water breaks, and it starts raining in the house.
1: I that was a cool joke. Yeah. Yeah. Cool visual on that one. I quite enjoyed that.
2: It's uh, a it's a reference to the things that they could only metaphorically hint at back then. Yeah. Stay that.
1: It's the next iteration of years. the the two single beds, you know, yeah, like, that's right. that's right, oh, you're going to have a baby? Oh, here's the joke. Oh, it's
3: raining. Yeah. And then uh, Geraldine shows up because Vision has gone off to get the doctor at this yeah. point. Yeah. And this part, they play a lot of the tropes from back then where you would hide an actress's pregnancy with like bowls of fruit or large
2: right. coats yeah. or whatever. Yeah, do they yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You catch the doctor's name, Stan Nielsen. Maybe stand a lef- a reference to stand the man and Nielsen's reading this group. For, you know, Nielsen those oh, yeah, Nielsen those I, I, yeah. I did, I did catch that.
3: At this point, though, the stork arrives, which quite yeah. literally. Yeah, I love <laughs> that scene. Actually, I
2: really like this scene.
3: And then, of course, Wanda uses like a little cloud of red smoke to kind of conceal him. Yeah. I didn't know if it was her doing that or if the stork maybe represented, again, the Mephisto connection.
1: I went there too because she tries to dismiss it. And And he's like, no. And it's still there. And she's surprised by that. What?
3: Yeah. Why are you not leaving?
1: I mean, we know now that that's, you know, from the. What episode is it? It's uh, eight. Uh, Yes. It was Agnes. It was Agnes. You know, her little theme song. (laughs) Oh, that's
3: episode seven. Is it seven? Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Okay.
1: So. But that doesn't mean that it's. I'm going to go back to that. And I'm going to hammer on it. it. doesn't mean that there wasn't somebody behind her. <coughs> if it's still- right.
3: So yeah, Wanda goes into full labor and as another trope, she's hiding behind the couch. So you don't yeah, see anything. You can't see anything. And Geraldine assists in the birth and mm-hmm. out comes Tommy.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, but as this is going on, her powers are just going nuts. Like the house is full on possessed. Yeah. Like straight out of poltergeist. Oh, yeah, that's true. eh? Like, the vacuum's going off, plates are spinning, stuff on the walls.
2: That's right.
1: Somebody call a priest. (laughs) Yep.
3: And then uh, Vision shows up with the doctor, but it's too late, technically. And uh, Wanda tells him, you know, I don't care about the rest of them. Meet your son as yourself.
1: Well, don't you want to meet your son as yourself? Oh, yeah, that's right. So he
3: demasks full Vision. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right.
3: And it's at that point that kid number two is ready to go.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: So out comes Billy. <laughs>
2: <Yep>. <laughs> That's exactly how it happened in the comics. Um, yeah. Nobody knew that Wanda was pregnant up until the moment of birth. So even when she had the first child, they were like, what? And then a the second yeah. one came and they were like, double what? <laughs> also, her advanced pregnancy, I thought, was sort of indicative of, of Avengers 200, speed uh, which is like yeah. universally panned by comics fans. Because Carol Danvers gets pregnant at the beginning of the issue, and it gives full birth and delivers by the end, by the end? <laughs> and then just in what so I thought it was sixteen pages. To- <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a reference to that.
1: It may be given the Rambo connection to Captain Marvel. Could be. It's pretty subtle, but yeah. still,
3: I did miss one. Uh When Vision oh. goes to get the doctor, he's right. about to go on vacation or take the wife off yes. on vacation, but he makes uh a point of saying you know small towns you know so hard to escape.
1: Oh true sure. yeah. Yeah. saying nobody can escape right? for did sure. he
0: say did he say they were going to Tahiti?
1: Oh I don't know I what he
0: thought said. that was a reference I like I, I thought I heard him say I'm taking my wife to Tahiti which is a re- which is a clear reference Coulson. To agents,
1: of, agents shield. of shield. Yeah. Interesting. But I,
0: I could be wrong on that. Hmm. I, I rewatched my episodes not yours. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bermuda, baby. Yes.
3: Also, Vision is back now, and Agnes says,
2: Is Geraldine inside with Wanda?
1: Right. But
3: I'm suspicious of her. She's not from oh, here. Oh, no right, home.
1: right.
2: There's no family.
3: No husband. And that puts Vision yeah, on a beeline cool. to get in there.
1: Yeah, and that, that doesn't end well for her because no. she gets ejected, right?
3: Because at this point, I think Wanda's concentration is, is lost enough.
1: Yeah. That the paranoia. Ended,
0: yeah you can almost use the word, the, the, the term retconned like,
1: yeah, 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 I guess so. You, eh?
0: you don't belong here. Get out. Yeah, here.
1: You're not part of the show.
3: <laughs> well, she breaks yeah. it by saying, you know,
0: can you believe it? it wins.
3: <laughs> I had a brother Pietro and she says, wasn't he killed by Ultron? He was
1: killed by Ultron. Wasn't he? Yeah. And that t- ties and, back into like her overall control, you know, like, She's not fully in control. So is that is this an element of Agnes, you know, kind of pulling the string where she gives Monica that moment of clarity that where she can actually what? Which is I enough. actually
0: think that this one is on Monica herself because at this point she has passed through the hex,
1: That's which has true. already
0: started to alter her DNA. So it might just be her own power giving her that moment of clarity. When Wanda is otherwise distracted,
1: maybe. But Monica was already in the the anomaly when the show started. So we don't
3: find out until later how she got in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At this point, the twins are kind of napping, and Wanda reverts to her Sokovian accent and starts singing them a Sokovian lullaby. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: (laughs) And,
3: you know. The word Ultron really sets her off. And what did you say?
1: That's right. Yeah. She, uh, what did you say?
3: Yeah. And then we cut away to Vision and Agnes outside.
1: Yeah.
2: She came here because we're all. Stop it. And,
3: uh. Well, I better get going. They all come in and Wanda says Geraldine had to rush home.
1: Right. Because at this point she's like, you need to leave now.
3: Yeah. And we don't know where she's gone at this point, but, uh.
1: Yeah. Other than the, she was the, ejected. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. The
0: hint is that she's been, you know, retconned. Dealt with. Permanently.
1: Yeah. Oh, she left, honey.
3: And then we find out that she has literally been flung out of the anomaly. Yeah,
1: outside of the anomaly.
2: And the, the, the sort of final straw is the sword pendant that she's wearing, right? Yeah. Right. She, she says, that? Right. what That's is what that? What really makes her snap.
1: We'll talk about the anomaly itself for a second and the, specifically the ejection of, of Monica Rambo, and how I, I'm not 100% clear, and I don't know if this is a hole in the writing or if this is a, an intentional thing that they'll come back to for some reason. Yes, Monica's traversing the anomaly is the catalyst for her powers to turn her into Photon, Spectrum, Next Captain Marvel, whoever you want to call her. Oh, um, sorry. Her clothes survive the trip out. Mm-hmm. They don't change. No. They don't change back. They stay no. period. They stay period clothing outside of the anomaly. It's the it's only. Usually, it's the only example of that happening.
2: No. It's and it's a hugely important part of uh, episode five, actually. Where they it's, well, they, it's a it's a I, uh, eureka moment.
1: All of it's the, the
2: only thing
0: that leaves.
1: So when Vision leaves, he can clearly he can't exist outside of the uh, the anomaly because he's yeah, fueled he's by fully her. Fully constructed by the anomaly, and that's but this is what I'm getting at. If if the anomaly is 100% Wanda's powers, then the the change of clothing is 100% Wanda's power. So why didn't they change back?
0: I, I can explain that. So Monica entered from the outside, so she brought something in that wasn't supposed to be in the simulation. Sure. So the simulation changed it. When she left with those clothes, there was no reason to waste the energy to change them back because she wasn't supposed to come back into the. So it was it was just ejecting waste data.
1: But the same could and be said when, of Darcy.
0: Well, at the end of the show, the hex is turned off. That's right. So all of the all of the changes are
1: everything reverts back to the way it reversed.
0: Should be. So it, it's an active reversal as opposed to Monica's. Which was just ejected, so it was it it would it wouldn't have made sense to to waste the energy of the hex to to change it back.
1: I'm still not convinced. I appreciate a, where you're going with that, but I'm not convinced.
2: It's uh, an Easter egg that I don't want to get into yet, but it's an episode five Eureka moment.
1: Yeah, I wonder now that you're saying that, Hank, and I'll just touch on it now, and you can expand on it when it comes around. But is this an an indication of? Uh, you know, Monica's emerging powers make the clothing immune to that effect.
2: Could be. No, it's, 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 it's more indicative of how Wanda is actually operating. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, I look forward to touching on that a little bit more, but uh, the floor is yours, Andy. (laughs) All
2: right.
3: Uh, i got a few Easter eggs here. Cool. The opening title, though it is really Brady Bunch themed. uh, The text goes up in the same format as the Mary Tyler Moore show logo. With all the mm-hmm. colors. Yeah, that's right. Hank, you already touched on it, the speed pregnancy from the comics. Yeah. Right, uh, nice, yeah. The names of the kids that they pick, Billy and Tommy, are they're, comic accurate. They're because, accurate, yeah. Yeah, they become Wiccan and Speed of the Young Avengers. mm mm-hmm. uh, Vision drops a Shakespeare quote.
2: <laughs> nice.
3: And it's all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players.
2: Merely players. Mm-hmm.
3: So, uh, yeah,
2: <laughs> he might, uh, he might be gaining some awareness.
3: I, I think by this episode he is.
2: I agree with that. Like
1: this is where he really starts questioning his reality. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I find it interesting that even Wanda's subconscious projection of vision is incapable of just going along with the scenario. Right. Without, like tearing it apart and dissecting it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
3: Uh next one up we got here uh when they're painting the baby's room right the paint cans are simser paint which could be a reference to storyboard artist Jeremy Simser
1: Okay nice. that's really deep Yeah I like it <laughs> Was he a storyboarder on this um, show Yes yeah. That's cool I like it when shows do that when they acknowledge people who are not necessarily in, in front of the camera or you know directly part of the the production team yeah. per se
3: Next one up, when the Vision is getting ready for the babies to come and he's talking to the doll, the doll he's talking to is, I'm pretty sure, a replica of Cindy Brady's Kitty Carry All doll.
1: Oh. So
3: there's a deep (laughs) throwback for you.
1: Nice piece of connective tissue, though.
3: Mm. The commercial. This one is for Hydra Soak. Again, for (laughs) Hydra. Yeah, yeah. Find the goddess within. So kind of leaning into that, her evolving into what she will become. yeah. But it's also a reference from Agents of Shield season four, okay. where Coulson refers to their mind control soap.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. See, I checked out of Agents. I checked out of Agents <laughs> nice. of Shield wow. right after season Excellent. one, so touche. Yeah, well done, sir. This one's yeah.
3: not mine. I didn't, uh, but I did read it, and I'm kind of on the fence about it. Uh, when Monica comes over, she's like, "I need some gravity O's cereal." With the little marshmallow moon men. Yeah. And Monica being the only person to have, or one of the few people with direct contact with actual moon men.
1: That's true. That's true. And it's funny. Sorry, I just want to touch in the first episode of uh, Falcon the Winter Soldier. Moon stuff. Yeah. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) That's funny.
3: And then uh, my last one here, they close on the song Daydream Believer by the Monkees.
1: Oh, that's so true, and, yeah. you
3: know, Wanda is trapped in her own daydreams. so.
1: Yeah. There's a and couple
0: of those that happen.
1: I think the whole, funny you mentioned the Monkees, because I was thinking, not only does this definitely leans heavily on the Brady Bunch, but to some They're degree, the, the other, those other sitcoms of the time, particularly the Partridge family, yep. and yes, of course, the Monkees, that totally makes sense. Yeah, good episode. I like this. Uh, I loved Paul Bettany's stupid mushroom bowl cut in this episode. I thought it was hilarious and so appropriate. And the clothing too. <laughs> yeah, they were great. Oh my god, the right tweed, yeah, the tweed jacket, the almost like a smoking jacket. Uh, and then the high waisted jeans, like just oh, okay, yep, yep, he's right in it, groovy.
3: And even again with the detail, like the staircase is right out of the Brady Bunch house. Yeah, this yeah, totally. this
1: is one thing I really I thought I had picked up on it, and when when it came time for assembled and they they spelled it all out, I was like, oh right, that it is one set, continuously redressed, but the same basic layout for every yeah. episode. I really really dug that.
2: Yeah, isn't this the episode where Geraldine or or Monica references Quicksilver's death right too? yeah she yeah, does longer. she did yeah. yeah that's what sets yeah, her yeah. off. he and, was killed by ultron right.
1: and what did you say
2: yeah it's like yeah and that's really the first sort of mcu moment where we're like brought, big time yeah yeah fully into the where we are in the story and stuff this could have been from before or after kind of
1: thing. yep yep mm-hmm. yeah so that's episode number three three anything else anybody wants to say about that before we move on
3: uh I should point out though uh the flower from part 1 the Everbloom possible right uh makes another appearance this episode while Wanda's given birth it oh, is visible okay. on the side table
1: So maybe there is more to that thing because I actually I it came up in my research as well but I just wrote it off as eh, it's it's just a plant but maybe it's not that eh, could be fan service <laughs> All right
0: There's a lot of those little nods
1: Next time on Fan Division This is giving us the reality.
0: Wanda's subconscious protecting her.
1: It's pretty cool. Take it back before we go off the rails. Yeah, we're back. Oh, that's who's sitting there watching the whole time.
2: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Band of Power is a Sawcast production.
1: Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?